Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Well, some of us, or sorry, some people have very unpopular jobs, don't they? Um, I'm not sure whether I'm taking a bit of a risk here, but anyone a traffic warden here? It's okay to be a traffic warden. I have huge, huge admiration for traffic wardens. It must be one of the hardest jobs in the world. But no, no offers. Anybody here a car clamper? You clamp cars for a living. No? That's another fairly unpopular job, isn't it? How about anybody? Is anyone here a, a, a multi-millionaire investment banker who makes fortunes out of, out of investing other people's money? There might be one of those here. Any offers? They're pretty unpopular as well, aren't they? So why did I ask that? Well, the reason is because if you think those jobs are unpopular, then what this man Zacchaeus in the story we've just heard did for a living was probably even more unpopular than those things. Why? Because he was a first century, he was a tax collector in first century Roman occupied Israel. And that doesn't mean that he was like the inland revenue in the UK, where we do expect, if we earn over a certain amount, that we have to pay taxes in order to pay for schools and hospitals and social services and so on. But in Zacchaeus' day, the country of Israel was occupied and ruled by the military might of an invading Roman Empire. And the local people were forced to pay taxes, not to support their social services, but to pay the Romans to keep them rich and happy and to pay for their military exploits elsewhere. And Zacchaeus, although he was a local person, was collecting money from his own people on behalf of the hated Roman Empire. So he would have been regarded as nothing short of a traitor. He would have been loathed in his hometown of Jericho. And what was worse was that he wasn't only a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector in that town. So he would have been rich, and he would have got rich off the backs of the poor local people. Now, we'd have no idea what life was like for Zacchaeus himself. He might have had money, but was he happy? What was it like? 
to be the most hated person in town? How did his children get on when the parents of the, uh, probably the parents of the other children told them to steer clear of them? How did his wife feel when she went down the market and all those eyes looked at her in loathing because she was married to the chief tax collector? How safe did he feel at night when he closed his eyes and went to sleep? What did he really think of himself? Did he like himself? Or inside, did he feel bad? Did he feel shame and disgust? Most of us are quite good at putting on a very good outward appearance and pretending that everything is all right inside. But many of us are not all right inside. Relationships aren't what we hoped they'd be. Maybe they're badly broken. Our jobs, if we have them, maybe put us under pressure or they weren't what we thought they'd be. Or we don't have one, and that doesn't make us feel good. We feel the stress of unpaid bills, or a huge credit card debt, or the landlord who's always on our backs for the rent. Or maybe we don't feel that there's much purpose to life. Or our friends, or the people we thought were friends have let us down. Maybe hope is in short supply. Well, we'll never know what Zacchaeus' life was actually like. He probably appeared well off and content on the outside, but we, we have no idea what was going on on the inside. My life used to be a bit like that. For most of my life, I was a successful businessman, and I had everything that anyone would need. Lovely family, nice house, good job, all the material things I would ever need. But if I'm honest, I wasn't content on the inside. I was always striving for something that was missing, but I didn't know what it was. I wasn't a Christian believer in those days. I didn't go to church. I was pretty selfish. I wanted a lot out of life, but I wasn't prepared to give very much, to put very much into it. I think Zacchaeus was probably a bit like that. But then one day, Jesus comes to his hometown. And the crowds turn out. Jesus was very, very popular among the crowds, the locals, because he, was, he stuck up for the, the ordinary people. Anyway, on this day, Zacchaeus, because he was a short guy and he couldn't see over the crowds, he wanted to get a glimpse of this, of this kind of celebrity, if you like, in some ways, Jesus had become. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree so he can get a good view of Jesus coming down the road. But he didn't bargain on what was going to happen next. Just as Jesus is about to pass under the tree, to, just as Jesus is about to pass under the tree, he looks up, he calls to Zacchaeus, and he invites him to come down from the tree, and he then invites himself to Zacchaeus' house to stay. And Zacchaeus is absolutely blown away. He's overjoyed. Can you imagine how amazing that was for Zacchaeus? He's the most despised person in town, and yet Jesus is prepared to be associated with him. He's prepared to be known as his friend. He calls him by name, and he even suggests that he comes and stays with him. 
the people are appalled. He's gone to stay with that horrible person, Zacchaeus. He's gone to stay with a sinner, a no good, low life like Zacchaeus. What's he doing? Clearly, everyone was used to give Zacchaeus a wide berth. And you know, if you read the accounts of Jesus' life, that's the the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. If you were to read them, you'd find that often Jesus surprises you. He doesn't do the thing that you think he would do. Or the things that you or I would do. And here's why. The reason is that to Jesus, nobody is beyond the pale. Every human being, whatever they have done, or said, or thought in the past is capable of being redeemed, which means turned around and made good again. Jesus stands at the door of every single person's life, your life and my life, and just like he did with Zacchaeus, he invites himself to come in and stay. And he doesn't just do that for nice people, or sorted people, or religious people, or particular kinds of people. He invites himself into the lives of poor people, of rich people, of honest people, of dishonest people, of healthy people, of sick people, of black people, of white people, into the lives of traffic wardens and rich bankers and car clampers and professionals and those out of work and those at home raising children and those who don't feel good enough. And the meaning of baptism is to accept that invitation and to invite Jesus into our lives. It's amazing what effect Jesus had on Zacchaeus's life. Because Zacchaeus is so changed by the, by the love that Jesus has shown him, he's so overjoyed that Jesus would actually come and love a person as hated as he is, that he has changed beyond recognition. He sells half of everything that he owns and gives it to the poor. And he offers to make it up to every single person he's ever cheated and pay them back with interest. And Jesus describes this change as salvation. Salvation has come to this house, he says. Zacchaeus has been saved. Saved from a life of hell. Saved from his own greed. And he's restored within his own community. I'm sure that Zacchaeus never imagined for one moment that he was good enough to warrant Jesus coming to stay with him. And many of us, many of us feel we're not good enough for God to be interested in our lives. But in case anyone here today has a sense that you are not good enough, remember this. Just a few weeks after this event, Jesus gave up his life on the cross on the cross of execution in order to pay the penalty for all the world's sin, for all the things that we've ever done wrong and ever will do wrong. He laid down his life. That's how much God loves us. And he died for each one of us. Some of you may wear a cross around your neck. Do you know that a cross worn in faith, what it actually means is that you recognise that Jesus died for you. That's how much God loves you. It was just about 12 years ago that I accepted Jesus' invitation to come into my life. And gradually over the years since then, he's been working on my selfishness. He's been giving me a more compassionate heart and moving me to where I can do a little bit more giving and a little less taking. 
And I've discovered a real purpose in life. And the same invitation awaits every single human being from whatever walk of life, whatever background, whatever struggles we've had, however unworthy we feel. Jesus holds out that same invitation and we are free to respond. And some of us might say, do you know, that's not for me. My life is just fine without God. Thank you very much. And that's fine. That's absolutely, don't think for a moment, if you feel like that, don't think for a moment that I would judge you because that's how I was for most of my life. But some of us might say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But I think I would like to find out a bit more. And if that's you, then one of the ways that you can explore the Christian faith a bit more is to come on something called the Alpha Course. I mentioned it earlier. You might have heard of it. We run them regularly. We have about 40 people on our current Alpha Course now, um, from teenagers who are on our Youth Alpha Course, right through to people in their 80s and 90s and every age in between. There are no tests or exams. You don't even have to read anything. It's just an opportunity to explore what it means to have faith, to ask questions and to get some of them answered, to find out what it might mean if you were to accept the invitation that Jesus makes to come into our lives and make sense of them, to give them a purpose and help us live life to the full. That's what I did 12 years ago. And since then, it's been the most rewarding and exciting journey. And I invite all of you to consider setting out on that journey of faith, just as our baptism candidates have done this morning.